Hello, my name is Thatcher, and you're listening to Rethink Motivation. Hey there, and welcome to the podcast. This is a show where I talk to people who have been really successful in business, in the arts, in sports, really people who have excelled in any industry, whatever that may be. And today's guest is a serial entrepreneur based in Boulder, Colorado. He's the founder and CEO of Copyblogger Media, the company behind the Rainmaker platform, Studio Press, and Synthesis. And he's also launching a new project this month called Unemployable. And it's basically smart strategies for freelancers and solopreneurs. And it's kind of in an audio format. So it's it's great if you like podcasts. Um, so keep your eyes and ears open for that, which launches this month. Brian's been featured in books by Seth Godin, Michael Hyatt, Darren Rouse, and many others. And in 2014, Forbes named him one of the world's top 40 social marketing talents and a top 10 marketing expert. And the list goes on and on, so to avoid flattering Brian too much, let's just go ahead and hear from Brian himself in the interview. Here is Brian Clark. All right, Brian, thanks so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate you taking the time. Oh, I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah. So I'm really psyched to have you on the show today because you've been active in the online business space for quite a while and you've built up a few now a few really cool companies uh, that are doing awesome things so just to give people kind of some background um you're obviously the the starter of copy blogger and could you just kind of tell us what led up to you creating copy blogger yeah i'll try to give you the shortest version possible sure um, because you said, as you said, I've been uh, doing this for a long time, which is another way of saying I'm old. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're experienced. You're a veteran. Yes, experience. I prefer that. So um, going back to 1998, um, I was an attorney and I graduated from law school in 94. Pretty much knew at that point I didn't want to do that with the rest of my life um, and did that rather unhappily for four years. And that four years was also pretty much 1994 was the beginning of the commercial web with, uh, you know, Netscape. And it became easy for normal people. So that's kind of a uh, point there that things began for me. And I'm, I'm just staring at this computer screen every night thinking there's got to be a way that you could make a living being able to reach all these people. Um, but of course, I was a liberal arts major uh, with a law degree, never took a business class, never read a marketing book, which actually worked to my advantage, being clueless uh, because the internet kind of changed a lot of the way certain things worked. So not having a clue kind of helped, although it didn't feel that way at the time. So I saw people publishing email newsletters a guy named Chris Perillo, you may know, others that uh, have been online for a long time. And I was like, I want to be a writer. I want to make a living writing somehow. But I wasn't really interested in you know, New York publishing or Hollywood screenplays. Uh, I was really entranced by the opportunity to do that online kind of on your own terms. 
So I started doing that. I did manage to create good content. I did build audiences. I made no money because I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> and then in 99, I read my first marketing book and it was the right book to read for what I was doing. It was called Permission Marketing by Seth Godin. And I still to this day, it's 15, 16 years old and it's still as relevant as ever at the core. That's what we're doing. We're building audiences based on permission. They want to hear from us and then hopefully we're able to provide them with something related that uh, they want to buy and helps us obviously make a living, build businesses, all that. <clears throat> so that's really what got me on the right track. And then I proceeded to build three businesses using just purely online models. For example, two of those businesses were real estate brokerages, but they were only websites. There, were, there was no traditional office. There was no traditional marketing. It was all online. And that worked out fantastically. Um, made a, a lot more money than I would have made if I would have stayed as an attorney. Wasn't that great at that point at running a business. The business did well because I worked 16-hour days, um, but the business didn't work well for me because I, I didn't create you know processes. I, did, I couldn't delegate. Uh, you know, this is a familiar story with a lot of people. But I was really right. good at the marketing and the content part. So when I left those businesses in 2005, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. And I wasn't exactly sure, but I thought that sharing what I knew about using content, you know, the whole blogging thing had really started to go there. My friend Darren Rouse had started ProBlogger two years before, um, but it was still primarily based on advertising business models. And I came along and I said, no, wait a minute. Two things. Um, one, uh, in the meantime, after reading Permission Marketing, which told me that the internet is basically a direct medium, a direct marketing medium, even though that word kind of carries some baggage, uh, you know, it's still a one-to-one -one relationship with, with people. So at once I figured that out, I studied copywriting, I studied all these old school principles of direct marketing, but I applied them in the proper way, the permission-based way that the internet required. So I knew all this stuff and I knew that applying basic copywriting principles to headlines, to the way you structure content, you know, you, you make content more engaging, which means you get more traffic, more sharing, more, uh, you know, of what you're looking for as far as attracting people. That was one principle of copy blogger. And the other one was you should sell things, not advertising, which at the time people thought I was the devil. Because, you know, the, blogging was a very kumbaya thing back in the day. <laughs> now, in 2008, we, you know, what I had been talking about all along, of course, was content marketing. And now that's what it's called. It's still not the greatest term. But uh, to think about that now as, as highly commercialized as the online content world is, it's kind of funny to think that, it, that you had any sort of backlash. But that's the way it was in the blogging industry. However... Um, a lot of people wanted to hear what I had to say about that. And I think I had some credibility because I was demonstrating, you know, what I was teaching by building copy blogger the very same way. So that's how it started. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's kind of the model that everything is, has gone towards and is still growing towards today. I mean, look at Ariana Huffington. She just created an online course 
And I mean, it, it seems like it's almost going totally mainstream. People uh, using their blogs to actually create their own products and services. So, yeah, I think you you definitely called it there. Well, you know, and and again, uh, starting out that way back in in the late '90s, I was just doing what I wanted to do. I didn't know that that was the future of marketing. I just got lucky in that regard. Yeah. Um, but that is the way things moved, and it made a lot of sense because content is what people want. Marketing and advertising is what people want to avoid. So you had to create this hybrid where you're delivering value in a way that people don't want to avoid, and then they end up buying things from you. It's, it's amazing. My entire career has been built off of that. So I feel very blessed. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's definitely a proven method at this point, I think. Um, you've had a lot of success, and so have a lot of other people, so that's definitely an awesome model to, to follow. Uh, so when you started out with Copyblogger, did you consider yourself an expert at the time? It's funny because um, I certainly didn't position myself that way. So when I was, the first thing uh, that I did that was kind of different is I wrote on the blog in series. So as if you were writing little chapters of a book, you know, so I, I wrote a series called Copywriting 101 kind of right out of the gate to teach people the fundamental basics of copywriting, direct response copywriting in particular. And I always pointed to the people I learned from, you know, the, the copywriters that I thought were the true experts. Um, but it, an interesting thing happens when you teach other people, you don't have to claim that you're an export, expert. Or you, and it's even better that you don't claim that you're the authority because people decide that for themselves. And I think the process of teaching people over those early years my understanding of, of my craft deepened by the act of teaching it. And as that happened, people just said, oh, Brian Clark, he's one of the best copywriters in the world. No, I, I don't believe that. But I'm, you know, I'm not bad. But I think there's a lesson there, which is when you share with people and when you teach people, their perception of you is going to be what it is. And that is an amazingly powerful thing. You know, you're demonstrating instead of claiming expertise. And that's really what worked for me. Yeah, no, I love that. That's uh, That really takes a lot of pressure off, too. Because I think people start projects today, whether it's a blog, online business, or really anything. Um, and they kind of feel this pressure like, oh, so many people are doing this that I need to be one of the best or I'll never succeed. And like you said, knowing that it's going to take a while and that it's going to be kind of a natural progression really does take off that, that pressure to be an expert right out of the gates. Yeah, so I'm, I'm writing an email newsletter now. Um, basically, it's curated in that all I'm doing is sharing and teaching what I'm learning from reading and, and other stuff that I do uh, and sort of personal development stuff. And I am no Tony Robbins. I mean, for years, I'm, the skepticism I have already comes through because I am not that woo-woo personal development <laughs> type. But uh, I am a serious student of, of trying to get better in all aspects of my life. So I wanted to start writing again, uh, but I didn't want to write about content marketing or blogging, <laughs> um, which you know I've kind of done nine years of. So, you know, I just started writing it. And again, the same thing is happening in the sense that 
the things I'm reading, it, this is actually a principle of learning. Um, it's called uh, retrieval. There's different ways uh, that it can work. Testing yourself is actually a way to remember better, not just a way to know what you already know. The other part of that is you read or learn something and then you explain it to someone else and you internalize it at a different level. So it, through the process of writing that newsletter, I'm not, again, I have no interest in being a personal development guru, but I now know this stuff at a level that borders on at least uh, amateur expertise, right? So I can't tell you enough that you don't have to be an expert to start. What you have to do is start. You have to be willing to learn and share. Um, and many people have done this over the years. They're only two steps ahead of their own audience. But as long as you stay that two steps, meaning you pursue your own education uh, religiously and share it religiously, in the eyes of those people, they're turning to you as an expert. So don't let that hold you back. And I know it, it takes uh, some courage to do that. It's easier said than done. But I've done it in, I don't know, five different industries now. Never claiming to be an expert, but becoming one um, by bringing people along with you. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and when you started all of this, did you know anyone in the industry or were you kind of just on your own from ground zero? I was a complete nobody, completely unknown. I was not, you know, I had been off doing what we now call content marketing in the, the legal industry and the real estate industry, but I wasn't part of the quote unquote blogging world. So uh, I was a complete unknown. Um, I, I mentioned Darren Rouse earlier. He was one of the people who gave me one of my first links that, you know, helped build my audience. And that was just me basically emailing Darren <laughs> and saying, and Darren's the nicest guy in the world. So uh, it turns out that that was a good person to start with, you know, but he, he was writing about titles and whatnot in the context of, of blogging. And I said, Hey, you know, from a copywriting perspective, what you're talking about is headlines. And I wrote this post about headlines and maybe your readers will appreciate it. Well, he shared it and they did. And you know, it's kind of scary because I am the, the reason I think I got in to the online space in the first place was I'm not the type of person that could ever cold call anyone or knock on doors or any of that stuff. It makes me uncomfortable. So even, you know, doing outreach uh, over email was kind of a challenge to me. But about three months into Copy Blogger, I uh, kind of hit upon my big catalyst, which was to create a free report uh, about getting traffic. And I reached out to everyone, you know, just completely cold. And, you know, some people hated it and linked to me. And some people loved it and linked to me. But they all linked. <laughs> and, that was, and, and the people that didn't like it as much, they misjudged their own audiences because a lot of those people were very much interested. And in then the they ended up loving it. <laughs> exactly. Right. That's pretty good. So, <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. And I think that's, that, that's a great point that, you know, if you reach out to everyone, not everyone's going to like it, but you know, some of them will. And whether you're trying to get a link for something or whether you're trying to get an interview at a company you like, really regardless of what it is, it never hurts to, to reach out to a lot of people. Um, and you just, you might end up with a mentor or a new connection and it, it just never hurts. Um, so 
one of the the big bases that this podcast was created on is that motivation doesn't really have to be something that you sit around and wait for. And I think that there are kind of ways that you can create motivation for yourself and create momentum. And so I was just kind of wondering back when you were an attorney and it, it wasn't really going well and you didn't like what you were doing, what was it that motivated you to really kind of reevaluate and take a 180 and, and explore the online business space? Misery. <laughs> All right. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I was really unhappy and yeah. I, you know, had just, I've been talking about this recently that when you look back on it now, um, it's easy to say, you know, I was a maverick and, you know, I was unemployable in a good way and, you know, I'm an entrepreneur and you can't, you know, cage me in. But the reality was that I was very unhappy and I thought I was defective. I mean, seriously, I looked at, you know, the other associates in the law firm and, you know, dutifully doing what needed to be done to, uh, to become a partner one day and all this. And I'm just like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I appreciate this? I mean, I've got an office, I've got an assistant, I've got a great salary, I'm with a great firm. So I really kind of blamed myself. And again, now that I look back on it, I understand that I, I'm just wired to be, you know, on my own. I'm, I'm just not the type that can be happy in a job. It wasn't just the practice of law. It was working for someone else in general. But, you know, at that time, I was just unhappy. So I kind of, I just kind of had this attitude like, you know what, if I end up tending bar in Austin, you know, for the rest of my life because I can't fit in, then so be it. But I was going to give it a shot on trying to uh, to create something else. And through the process, I did find out <laughs> that I was an entrepreneur. But that was something that was not in my vocabulary before I quit. I never thought of myself that way. Again, never took a business class, never read a marketing book. So it's kind of an interesting story now. At the time, I just thought I was a reject. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I think a lot of people kind of go through that that same mindset change where they just kind of get fed up doing what they're doing and they, they know they need to leave at some point, but maybe they're not sure exactly what it is they want to go, what, what they want to leave for. Um, and, you know, in your case, it sounds like you really did reach that breaking point where you just had to do something else. But I think a lot of people don't naturally necessarily reach that point. They might have a job where they're fairly comfortable uh, they don't love it, but they don't hate it. And, you know, what would be your advice for them, for people who aren't going to reach that breaking point on their own? Uh, what what should they do? I think it's better. That would be much more preferable. The, I always tell people, if you want to go out on your own, start your own business, whatever the case may be, don't quit your job until you're ready. You know, <laughs> yeah. uh, work on it at night, work on it on the weekends, work yourself into that position. That's the smart way to do things. And that wasn't my case for a couple of reasons. Um, you know, mainly because I just, I didn't understand really what I was going to do, you know, like saying, I want to be a writer. Well, just about every attorney on the planet thinks that they should be a writer. It's, it's like a curse. Um, so that's not really a plan. Um, but for me, and I've done this several times in my life where uh, I just kind of leap for better or worse. And at each point, my life took it way up to the next level. 
But I think I'm the type of person that functions really well. Um, I love change. A lot of people don't. Um, I do great under pressure. Some people don't. Um, so I'm always very careful. Like, don't emulate me. This is my story. <laughs> this is my particular psychological makeup. Um, the more prudent thing to do is, is figure things out, work on it, keep your job, and then jump when you're ready. Um, or jump because you're never truly going to feel ready, but at least you can lay the groundwork. Gotcha. Yeah, that's that's great advice. Um, so for someone who's kind of thinking about jumping but not quite there yet, and maybe they don't know what they want to jump to, um, what do you think is more important to to focus on? Uh, something that you're passionate about or something that you have skills related to? Or is it a combination? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I am a firm believer that, um, you know, and of course there are exceptions, but I think the skill-based jump to where you're out there swimming on your own, whether that's as a freelancer, a consultant, um, you know, something related to what you already can do. Um, because, you know, when my first business didn't really work out, um, I used what I understood about online marketing to practice law on my own. And what told me that I loved being an entrepreneur was not, I still didn't like practicing law, but the fact that I was developing those clients online with my writing, it was amazing to me. That's when I caught the bug. But I was paying the bills with the skills that I had. Right. And then my next two companies were a departure from law into something else. And I call that kind of my have something to prove phase. At that point, I went into that business because I knew I could succeed more than it was a passion of mine. I had no passion for real estate. It's just a very lucrative industry. And I looked around at the competition and their online strategy and I knew I could dominate it, you know? So that's a nut, that's a step in the right direction, but it's still not passion based. And it wasn't until 2005 where I said, look, I'm never doing anything again, just for money. I'm going to do what I enjoy and I'm going to try to do it on my own terms. And I'm going to let other people uh, you know, do their roles, the things I'm not good at. And that was a big turning point for me. So I would say I'm moving more and more towards pure uh, passion or purely projects that I want to do. And it's been 17 years. So that again, that's my progression. And that's my, uh, I think you could do it much quicker than I happen to do it. But I think it's important to find out if you can make it out there on your own in any capacity and you will evolve you will get more sophisticated you will learn to spot opportunities everywhere and at that point you choose the ones that appeal to you from a passion or interest level as opposed to just doing it to make a living or just to make a lot of money because you know doing it for money doesn't last you may have heard that from other people but that's not what drives entrepreneurs it, it's truly not money is a byproduct and it's wonderful but it's not the reason to do it, or you're probably never going to be happy. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a fantastic answer. You, I like what you said about using the skills you already have as kind of training wheels to, to figure out how to actually do stuff on your own and how to actually manage and run a business. And then once you kind of get that down, then you can start to shift over to things you're more passionate about. That makes, a, that makes total sense to me. That's, yeah, I think that's great. Um, 
So for someone who wants to kind of use the skills they already have, uh, maybe develop them a little further, and then start to get those skills in front of other people's eyes and ears, and then eventually start making money, what are kind of like the first steps that someone should take to, to start walking down that path? Well, from you know my experience, and we kind of touched on it a bit, it's, it's sharing what you know, which will deepen your own expertise Meanwhile, you're building a following, you know, whether you want to refer to it as an audience or a community, it's really a little bit of both depending um, on how you nurture it. But yeah, that's the, the kind of counterintuitive uh, thing that really drives modern business success. It's, well, I, I shouldn't just say modern because to a certain degree, it's always been that way. But the way the internet has created the ability to reach your people, you know, I mean, you don't have to reach the whole world and you're not going to, in fact, you know, whitewashing yourself down and making sure you don't ever offend anyone in a world where people find a reason to be offended about everything is the wrong way to think about it. It's more likely to lead to success that you are you because that is the one unique thing that no one else can replicate and then find the people who resonate with at the intersection of of who you are and what you know and you can build a business out of that absolutely i think the people who struggle are the ones who try to appeal to everyone and they end up appealing to no one and that's i think that's another point of courage the courage to just be yourself and let the people who don't resonate with you go you know, let them say what they're going to say. Don't worry about it. You have to develop a thick skin, but that's pretty much everyone online now <laughs> with social media being mainstream. Yeah, no, you kind of have to have it if you're on Facebook or Twitter or anything these days. Yeah. And I mean, it's hard to whittle down your audience because it's it's easy to kind of think, oh, yeah, it's fine. I can appeal to everyone. I'm, I'm capable of that. But then if you actually try to do it, you know, it, it just doesn't really work. At every stage, um, from my solo law practice to the re two real estate firms to copy blogger and everything since, I've always highly specialized and and basically said anywhere from fifty percent to ninety percent of the world is going to find this completely irrelevant to them. But the people who it was relevant for, they were super into it because I was talking to them. And again, it's it's easier said than done, but it is the key to success. Speak, speak in a way that resonates highly with some people as opposed to, you know, trying to make sure that no one uh, finds offense or, or whatever the case may be. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. Cool. So say someone kind of gets, you know, the ball off the ground and they start to hit a dip. What would be your advice for getting through the first and the second and third dips? Wow, uh, that's an excellent question. And it really depends on what the dip is. Um, because sometimes a dip can be financial, and that's a very pragmatic dip that you have to get through, you know? But, um, yeah, let's say the dip is just kind of emotional, psychological. You're just feeling like you're not getting anywhere, you're thinking about giving up. How do you get yeah, through that? Yeah, um, sometimes, you know, you shouldn't. 
and uh, you know the dip was was Seth Godin, another great Seth Godin book that basically says sometimes you should quit, you know, <laughs> um, and and I've abandoned more projects than I can count because I figured out number one, you know, I didn't have the level of passion or interest or enthusiasm, however you want to uh, characterize it, to make it through those. Those always happen, you know. And even in the real estate businesses that I had, they were extremely lucrative. And yet I woke up and realized I don't want to do this, you know. So sometimes you don't go through it. And I think uh, this may sound like the most circular reasoning ever, but I think if you make it through, then you were supposed to make it through. That may not always be the case, but uh, that's that's been my experience, that when I really want to keep going, nothing's going to stop me. And when I don't want to keep going, I, that's a strong indicator to me that maybe this isn't what I should be doing. Yeah, and I mean, I haven't, I haven't had as many business experiences as you, as you. Um, but in my limited experience, I've kind of found that when I have a project that I should quit, I reach a point where I kind of have this realization that, you know, this this probably isn't the right thing. And it kind of just washes over you like you just kind of know deep down. And when it's something that you you should continue, that just doesn't really happen. And, you know, you keep you keep wanting to push through even though it's harder and harder. But yeah, no, I, I like your perspective on that. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, so finally, uh, where can people find out more about what you're working on and more about your upcoming projects, Unemployable? Oh, you know about that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I thought I was going to sneak that one in. Um, yeah, so of course, uh, you know, copyblogger.com is still kind of the center uh, of the universe of, of all our various products, you know, Studio Press, Rainmaker Platform, uh, all that good stuff. So head over there if you're interested in content marketing and copywriting and all that good stuff. But yeah, so I have a new project. Um, depending on when this episode airs, uh, it's it's debuting in July 2015. And it's called Unemployable. And it touches on a lot of the stuff we've actually talked about here. Um, and I'm, I'm really trying to talk to the people who maybe you called it the training wheels phase, which I like, but I don't want that to come across the wrong way. But, you know, for me, that's exactly what it was at the beginning. But I've been effectively a freelancer. I mean, for attorneys, they call them solo practitioners, but it's the same gig, right? You get clients, you do the work, <laughs> you know, right, you got to yeah. survive. Uh, then I became uh, a successful entrepreneur who had bad processes, the old classic you know, I was working in my business instead of on it. And then I evolved beyond that. And, you know, now eight figure company that I'm a CEO of, it, it didn't happen overnight. In fact, like I said, it took 17 years of evolution. Um, what I'd like to do is help those people who are in stages one or two go faster because I'm a slow learner. <laughs> you know, but I've got a whole collection of, of things that I think are going to help. So it's going to be a podcast, uh, but there's more to it. There's going to be uh, free webinars. There's nothing for sale. I have no business model, um, just like when I started CopyBlogger. Um, but uh, so if you're interested in that, um, you can go to unemployable.com 
and you can register. There's also a, a question and answer function, uh, which I think is really cool. The registered members can leave me a, a recorded message and then I'm going to answer those questions on the podcast and, you know, obviously play the question live and all that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to this project because it's not just talking about marketing. And at this point in my life, I really, <laughs> you know, want to talk about other things. Obviously, marketing is a big aspect of it. But there's other things, you know, there's processes, there's legal, there's finance, there's you know, virtual staff versus on-site employees, all of this kind of stuff that people have to deal with, even if they're just a one-person shop at this point. So that's what it's about. Cool. Yeah, I, I think it sounds really cool. And um, I obviously love the focus on audio being a podcaster. So I'm excited to kind of see uh, that element of it. But yeah, anyway, Brian, thank you once again for coming on the show. I do really appreciate you taking the time and uh, I wish you all the best. Yeah, thanks a lot. I, I enjoyed talking to you. All right, there you have it. That was an interview with Brian Clark, founder of Copy Blogger. Pretty awesome to be able to pick his brain for half an hour and, and hear some stories of how he got started, how he made it through the, the struggles of the early days of starting a business. So Brian, if you're listening, thank you once again for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. If you have not already, I would highly recommend subscribing to the podcast. Uh, it's just an easy way to stay up to date on future episodes uh, to make sure you won't miss any guests and you'll just get the, the episodes automatically downloaded to your podcast app, super easy. Um, and we have some really cool guests coming up. I'm trying to branch away from kind of business power players and get some people on the show who are more just people who are outside the business space. I wanna kind of get some outside opinions in here to stir up some ideas. Uh, and yeah, other than that, if you enjoyed the episode or if you're enjoying the podcast, I would super appreciate it if you took a minute to leave a review or a rating of the show. Uh, it really helps the show grow and move up in the rankings and get more exposure. Uh, and to do that, all you have to do is search for the podcast in iTunes. Uh, just type in Rethink Motivation and it'll pop up. And then on the main page there, you click the rate slash review button and there you have it. And other than that, thank you so much for listening. I do really appreciate it. It's awesome to see the listener numbers growing. Um, and yeah, I will talk to you guys next week. 